and it's going. This is it. I recently, by recently, I mean yesterday, I shaved my head and my beard down. And this is the mm. first time I'm really looking yeah. at myself on camera. I'm so used to, I edit so much of this footage. I'm so mm -hmm. used to seeing myself one way. And now I looked this, at the screen and I was like, who the fuck's that guy? <laughs> it's me. Do you use a, like a guide on your beard? No. What do you mean a guide? Oh, like a... For clippers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are called guides? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm already learning things. <laughs> awesome. Cool. You know, before, you know, we drop any more knowledge, let's do the intro and... Uh... Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you were one of those people who listened to the conversation, I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. That Oktoberfest. Mm. Tis the fucking season. <laughs> it's like my favorite time of the year for beers. Yeah. I really like uh, Oktoberfest style beers and the darker beers. Lagers, porters, stouts. All those things. Pumpkin spice, white claws. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> what is your take on uh, the white claws, the Trulies, the, the hard seltzers? Uh, I am not opposed to um, the LaCroix style um, beverages. Um, so I, I don't hate them. It's not my kind of drink i'm more of a beer person but sure uh i tasted one once and i didn't hate it uh, yeah but it seems to be uh kind of weird that it it has exploded in this like new trend is it normally the case most things that tend to explode are always something weird it's never like right. that makes sense that that blew up it's always like why the fuck is everybody doing that or eating this or listening to that or watching that yeah I think it has to do with just trends in general. Yeah. The like things that are trendy or things that companies are telling you to <sighs> enjoy. Such and... a such a simple idea. And I think they just really hit the nail on the head of uh you know, marketing to uh <laughs> I don't know, uh millennials, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is the it is definitely millennial water. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> I agree with that yeah, term. I don't. I don't mind it at all. I've had. I've had quite a few of them on here. Uh, shout outs to D Rider, who just had their album release this past weekend, and they were on the show last month, and they brought a whole case of sparkling seltzers. And that whole case was consumed in the course of an hour. <laughs> I mean, between you know, between five motherfuckers. But yeah. So I you're embracing the trend. I think it's fine. I like it. It's time and place, like anything. Mm -hmm. You know, we recently, Grey Walker, we played a show out in Buffalo, New York. And I guess they have a Truly sponsorship at this place now. They had, like, you know, fucking a new patio with big Truly umbrellas and all this shit. And they had Trulies. And it was really fucking hot out. And I was kind of, you know, I don't know if I want a beer. So I had, I had like, two yeah. or three mango Trulies or whatever flavor it was. And I was like, you know what? This is nice. I'm kind of outside. I could have a few of these, you know, a little, yeah. a little social lubrication without the, uh, without the guilt, without the, 
the caloric guilt. Yeah, I can't appreciate that it's a summery type of drink and yeah. it doesn't weigh you down. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's fine. Don't don't get too crazy, I would say. Don't obsess over it, whether you love it or you hate it. Just let people enjoy things. Yeah, That's I what agree. I'm saying. Yeah. That's what the fuck I'm saying. So <laughs> today I'm sitting here with my friend, Brandon Martin. Make some noise for the internet. The internet's happy that you're here. Thank you very much. The internet's really curious, you know, what is it that you do? I've met you through local music event production Mm -hmm. is where I've met you. Running sound, stage managing, producing, promoting, that sort of thing. You do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But what do you want the people to know about you that I didn't already let them know? Uh, one of the newest developments in my life is that I'm in a Pink Floyd tribute band called Pit Floyd. Nice. And uh, I perform all of the sound effects and do background vocals and sing lead on on one song. And uh, we've uh, been together for almost two years and uh, we're playing a lot of uh, you know suburban type venues, yeah. cra- Craft House and Oaks Theater, Lamp Theater, Jurgles, places like that. You have a show coming up, right? We do. Uh, we're playing at the Thunderbird, the newly renovated Thunderbird, nice. uh, September 14th. Very, very yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah. So what's it been like now? Um, I imagine you've played in bands in the past mm-hmm. before this, but how long of a gap has it been since you've played in a band? Quite a while. Yeah. Uh, probably 15 years. Wow. Yeah. That is a while. Uh, <laughs> I did do um, a lot of solo stuff. Okay. Uh, solo acoustic. Um, in, the, in, that, in that in that time frame? In that time frame, yeah. Yeah. Um, but as, as a collective, yeah, it's been probably since uh, college. So the question I have for you then, you know, playing in bands from the perspective of somebody that understands live sound and all of these things, do you have an easy time or a hard time playing shows when you're not running sound? Are you able to just let go? Uh, depends on the venue. <laughs> um, I can't let go when when I'm in, you know, when it, it seems like you know there's an issue. Um, I if I'm in the band and that performance is is going to be hindered by that issue, then yeah. I have to solve it. Absolutely. But if I'm a um, a viewer of of live music and I'm not working, I'm not performing. Um, I let it go. Yeah. I and everybody looks at me like are you going to fix this? It's, I'm not on the <laughs> clock. I'm sorry. They got to learn somehow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've I've had those times where, you know, a show has crashed and burned and I learned from it so that they have to to do that, have that experience as well. Yeah. With getting into live like running sound at shows and things like that. How did you get into that? Was it something you were like passionate about or was it just like a way to, you know, make some extra money being in the music biz. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in a uh, band in high school, when uh, um, it's probably early 2000s, uh, I, we recorded an album that was self-funded. And that experience really opened my eyes to a lot of uh, behind the scenes um, production. And I actually went to school after that uh, for recording arts. Okay. And when I graduated, I had no money. I came back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> Par for the course. Sure. Uh, there was no music studios that had any opening slots. And doing um, stuff for free was not really an option for me. So I fell into live 
uh, live sound as kind of, uh, you know, a departure from that, but not too far of a t departure from it. And then from then on, I just, you know, started working at venues and, you know, James Street was one of the most mm -hmm. notable places that, yeah. that I worked at. And yeah, shout outs to James Street and Kevin. <laughs> You're a guy. He is a dude. <laughs> you are a man. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. I think that that's a path that'll, I mean, it's not an uncommon path for people in the entertainment field, the music spectrum to mm -hmm. find those alternative ways to sort of, you know, supplement income and still be a part of the scene. Right. But then you end up, you know, taking on way more than sometimes people expect or ask for. I would say since you probably went to school, you probably had a much different perspective than somebody else. It's like, well, I've never you know, ran sound at a show before, but I'm mm -hmm. going to just, uh, I'm going to figure this out like through, through doing shows right. versus having the somewhat of knowledge yeah. going into it, which I, th I think a lot of people do do that, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. It's right. just funny when you like go into a, like a newly renovated space and there's all this like super nice gear and there's just like, they had all the money to do all this stuff, but they don't have enough money to pay somebody that knows how to run it usually the case <laughs> it's not uncommon it's, it's pretty interesting uncommon. but i think the other thing too though is sometimes you're dealing with an issue of reliability from people because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that maybe know what they're doing but maybe they aren't reliable or they're already booked at other places so yeah it could be hard to dealing with a uh, trustworthy reliable people in the industry we'll yeah. call it yeah you seem like a pretty trustworthy guy i appreciate have that. you ever Thank been in you. any trouble with uh the law <laughs> <laughs> uh just your typical uh high school antics yeah um but nothing serious no yeah what do you do outside of the music stuff like you're not running sound at a show you're not playing in a band you're not writing songs like what does brandon do to let loose mm. or just uh, chill out uh that's a really hard question <laughs> that's pretty much my life uh yeah from from day to day um if i'm not doing it for work i'm doing it for you know self totally so at this point now your main gig source of income is like working at venues just kind of bouncing around or do you have like a day job that you do too uh one of the companies that uh that i work for mostly is here corp and they do uh all the staging and, and sound for deutschtown music festival yeah um alongside of a lot of corporate events um you so know. do you do a lot of those sort of gigs where like you get paid to go like set up a, a powered speaker and listen to people talk for four hours <laughs> <laughs> uh it's a little bit more involved than that because we're we're um, i mean essentially yeah. yeah um but we're working at like david l lawrence convention center okay yeah so you you got know, it. we have huge speaking engagements um techo is, is one of our bigger ones and um yeah it's pretty serious systems even though it's just talking head but uh, other than that, I'm working for a guy that is the front of house sound engineer for Third Eye Blind. Oh. And his name, unfortunately, is Rob Thomas, <laughs> who obviously is not the Matchbox 20 lead singer. Well, it is rather a, it is a rather common name, but that's still, yeah, yeah. That's still pretty funny. But uh, he's been great to work for, and uh, he has a couple systems here in, here in Pittsburgh, and we take that those systems out to West End or, you know, fancy hotels and do wedding bands and corporate gigs like that yeah 
It's yeah. funny to think that it makes total sense that there are obviously all of those events that need live sound lighting production, but you really don't think about it. Right. It's kind of unseen because they're private events. Uh-huh. So yeah, not everybody sees, you know, all of that. What's the weirdest event you've had to work for? Or mm. anything that really stands out as just being like, this is a unique situation. <laughs> uh, I guess Tekka would, would be okay. one. That's the uh, anime and yeah. Japanese culture convention. Um, not that the people were weird. They're, they're great, but... Um, <laughs> it's a unique environment. It's very unique, yeah. yeah. Um, and they um, have bands and shit that come in and play that, mm-hmm. right? And DJs yeah. and stuff. Yeah. 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 So that's fun. You get to set up like a little mini rave basically in the convention yeah. center. Yeah. Yeah. It's does, a lot uh, of fun. Does Hear Corp handle lighting and stuff too? Or is that a different company that would do all that stuff? We do have uh, some lighting. Um, I kind of wish that, that we would have... Uh, more staff to to kind of develop that but yeah. we do have some pretty serious lighting rigs. that's cool lighting stuff is something that i'm starting to get into now uh just because i want to incorporate it into live shows and it just seems really interesting and fun to learn and the technology seems to be getting to a price point where it's like actually accessible yeah it's not like you know 10 years ago what it was like you know ten thousand dollars to buy like the simplest fucking little right. computer controlled system now you can, you know, get stuff pretty cheap or you can buy the crazy China knockoff stuff if you want to go that route too. Yeah, yeah. Which, I don't know. Maybe I will. I don't know. How do you feel about generic goods <laughs> versus, uh, I don't know, top-notch stuff? I guess a, a way to bring this conversation back to music would be like, how do you feel about Behringer? Uh, Behringer is, is a weird case. They, uh, have made strides in the past five years to, to really make I've noticed more that robust, too. Uh, uh, equipment, notably their X32 console, um, which is, you see in a wide variety of it's venues. It's a huge game changer, right? Yeah. It's a very low barrier to entry console. It costs, you know, depending on what model you have, uh, anywhere from 1800 to 3000. And for what you're getting, that's nothing. It's so full featured. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very competitive in the market. Um, their analog preamps are not all that great compared to their um, Midas uh, equivalent, which is uh, pretty much the same uh, graphic user interface. Um, so if you can use an X32, you can use an M32. But the components are, are a lot better, and you actually do like notice the difference, even if you're not an audiophile type person. Yeah. Um, and even those Midas boards are pretty low barrier to entry as well. And I, I don't know if I, you know, a lot of people know this, but um, Behringer and Midas have um, kind of merged into this music group company oh, okay. with Clark Technic, and that's why you're seeing a lot of advancements in Behringer and why... Um, now Behringer is not the, the bad name that it used to be. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I have some Behringer equipment and it has not done me any wrong at all. Like yeah. we're running for Sykes and the New Violence now, we're running all of our backtracks, like our stems through separate channels. So we're sending like 60 eyes to front of house. And, uh, but I just built like a rack mount and I got the Behringer two Behringer four-channel racks, mm-hmm. and they were like 100 bucks. Yeah, yeah. They were like dirt cheap, and they work. 
Yeah. I haven't had any issues. So it's been pretty cool. As long as you treat your equipment right. And I have, you know, some things where I'll cut corners on as far as my own personal equipment. But yeah. it's lasted me five years because I treat it right. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, abusing it and, and torturing it on the road. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. It, it's, I've seen, it's, <laughs> that's actually a pretty interesting conversation. Uh, you seem like, like-minded in the sense that I like to take care of my gear as well. And anything mm-hmm. that I own, it's just, I'm a bit. I'm a bit of a control freak about things. Like I'll get like, if I put a new sticker on a case and it gets a nick, I'm like, God damn it. But that's like, what's going to happen, right? I'm just kind of crazy. Yeah. How do you feel if you're at a show and you just see somebody's like just not taking care of their stuff? Like dusty pedal boards. I have such a pet peeve against like dusty pedal boards. It's like, how do you let that get like that? Yeah. I don't know. Some people just don't care. I guess. I don't mean to sound like a, a turd but it's just like <laughs> i don't know what, what, what's your take uh, my feeling is if it's not affecting the audio quality uh, or it's, it's functionality i'm i'm not that disturbed by it but a dusty pedal board all of that dust can get into your quarter inch connections and really yeah mess things up and then the blame falls on of course me uh-huh because you can't get your own stuff yeah. working because I'm, I'm gonna do a call out right now so <laughs> uh this call out goes to jake of northern gold i ran sound for them last night they did their uh their album release at my work and uh jake's acoustic di box that's on his dusty pedal board was a little crackly throughout the night and it's like what is it is it the cable yeah no it's your dusty fucking thing and to be fair he called himself out but i'm just saying jake he's gonna be here they're coming soon so yeah if you're watching Watch out when you come here because I'm hold, I'm, hold I'm gonna give to him like a, a can of air duster as soon as he walks in on camera. That'd be tight. Don't recommend air duster, by the way. Ooh. Um what would you recommend? A shot vac or um if you like really need to get it clean, a uh, contact cleaner. Why not the air duster? It has uh compressed air in it and that condensates to water, which can corrode your oh. metal components. Yeah, there you go. So if you've ever hold, held it upside down, yeah, you see that mist of, of water that's... Dropping knowledge. Yeah. Letting these kids know. No air duster. No air duster. Mm-hmm. Ever? I mean, on a keyboard, it's all pretty much sealed. So yeah. Okay. That's but, what it's made for, so... Yeah, but not, not pedals. Not, not gear. Not exposed metal connections. Gotcha. Yeah. What else do you know about? <laughs> what else are you smart about? What's, uh, what's one thing... Let's do this. In running live sound as a spectator, we mentioned, you know, sometimes you're at events Mm -hmm. and you're not working that night, but you're something's off. Mm -hmm. What do you think is one of the most common mistakes of a live sound engineer? I'm I'm trying to refrain from using the word amateur. So we'll just say like beginner or an an unexperienced Mm -hmm. sound engineer. Uh, One of the most like noticed things from a common listener's feedback that that ring you hear persistent throughout um that is usually caused by the sound engineer not taking the prep work in what's called ringing out monitors or or your front speakers where you have to take uh your vocal microphone and point it at the, the monitor to make it ring and then in a equalizer you would take out those problem frequencies 
so that it wouldn't happen during the show. Yeah. Something that's really easy to do on the X32. <laughs> Start the beat, sponsored by Behringer. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I think that it, it can be hard, too, because a lot of times if you're dealing with... Uh, like a be- okay, I'm just gonna say amateur live sound engineers. Sometimes the equipment may not be capable enough to yeah. even like get those pinpoint those frequencies out. Yeah, that's so. why it always like it really grinds my gears nowadays. With I see people that have like super nice consoles live and they're still having issues. I'm like, you could do anything on this thing. You would be surprised how many like advanced venues I've been at and I've taken a look into their graphic EQs and they're all flat. Sure. And they're still having feedback issues. And a a performer is up on stage saying that they can't get more of themselves in their monitor. And they will give it to them because, of course, it's going to feedback the more you give. But your solution is right inside there. Yeah. But to your point that um, some venues don't have that advanced equipment or um, an outboard graphic eq um there's ways around it where you can do some gain staging yeah where you're not putting so much um pressure on the the preamp you're dialing that back and then putting your fader up a little bit more that reduces some feedback as well Mm -hmm. i always found in my experience running live sound usually if something isn't coming through in the mix I tend to try to turn things down around it rather than trying yeah, to yeah. turn up first. That's called additive PA. Oh, okay. Where you're only putting through what you're not hearing acoustically on stage. Okay. So if you can hear all of the drums just fine, you're not putting that in, in your mix. Um, maybe the kick drum because that's not something that translates well acoustically across the stage. Yeah. Um, but everything, you know, from that's, you know, kind of how I mix small clubs where I'll just have the band play and I'll have all my faders down and anything I can't hear, I put up. Okay. And those are the only things that I have in the mix. Yeah. I've, I've definitely seen a lot of engineers do that. And for the style of music, it can bug me. Mm -hmm. I think it bugs me a lot when engineers do that for metal bands Mm -hmm. because the room just never feels loud enough. (laughs) (laughs) when you do it that way even if you're just pushing a little bit through yeah it uh it just doesn't seem to sound right oh this is a good conversation for you so um digital amp modeling Mm -hmm. it's a big thing now speaking of metal bands uh, like kempers and kempers axe effects a lot of people are using them in a live situation and i feel like they just sound so transparent unless you're in like a huge room where like you're not going to be getting any of that stage volume i feel like there needs to be that nice mix with like a rock band where if i'm in a room i want to hear like the sound coming from the amp but i also Mm want to get a little bit coming from the speakers too just because it blends together and it creates a nice sonic hug Mm -hmm. um but whenever you have something like the kemper and the guitarists or bass players or whatever aren't using like an on-stage cab because some people do still run them through a cab and then yeah, to the house I've too, seen but, that. um but yeah i've seen bands that don't and it just sounds so thin am i crazy or what do you think as a live sound engineer i can appreciate your uh perspective of having um more of a immersive experience um having that stage feel to um 
adding to what's what's going on in the front in the audience. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree with you in a sense. Um, but it depends on the situation. If you're in a um, in a venue or a, a live out, outdoor space that is um, susceptible to neighbors around that that like to complain, keep, oh, sure. keeping the stage volume is is pretty crucial. So you have to do what you can to to minimize that. And, yeah. and campers are, are beautiful at doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does kind of take away from that that stage feel. It happened. The biggest or the most like relevant situation I saw was a show at the Rex and they were using the ant modeling in that room. Like the mains are like, you know, what, 25, 30 feet off the ground, like hanging yeah. from the ceiling. So like I'm standing in the middle of the room and okay, like I see band guitar player, I hear drums and vocals, but then all the guitars coming from up here and like all the drums sounds coming from the stage. So it's like right. this weird, like, separation of sound where mm -hmm. it doesn't it almost felt like i was a uh, like the same song was playing on two different stereos like different parts yeah. of this, and like my ears like had to like adjust to that and like yeah. meet somewhere in the middle and it didn't make sense in my brain uh are you like a diehard front and center um concert goer no okay then i would suggest moving yeah <laughs> but well, yeah, I mean, that's uh, the thing is like, you know, if you typically in those situations, if you are in the back of the room, like by the soundboard, it sounds tight. Yeah, it happened yeah. once it downstairs at Kativa, there was a metal band that I saw there playing and I was a little bit closer because it was just like there wasn't many people at the show. There were only like 60 people there, you know, and like mm -hmm. that's a big room. So I'm not standing in the back and everybody's up front and like, you know, we're like one of those bands is a super sick drummer. So you're trying to watch the drummer and see what he's doing. But yeah. if you're up by the front of the stage. I mean, it's cool because all you could hear was the drums. Right. So that's tight. But then I go back by the bathroom and I'm like, oh, there's the rest of the mix. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. so strange. Yeah. Uh, some venues, uh, you know, and, and speaker uh, manufacturers have gotten better at, at trying to disperse their, their throw. Um, and a lot of newer speakers are getting a wider oh. spread. Okay. Um, you'll see a lot of line array boxes that are getting smaller and smaller and line arrays are the really small uh, speakers that stack on top of each other and set different angles. Mm -hmm. um, and those are getting incredible at their, their spread. Uh, usually probably around 110 degrees to 150. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. Super convenient. Yeah. So if you're in the center, it's hitting you. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I really like all of these technologies that are advancing so fast. It's so interesting Incredibly with live sound fast. and lighting, recording, everything. It's insane how accessible all this stuff is. Yeah. How do you feel? If you went to school, that would have been, what, 15 years ago, over a decade ago? Uh, recording like, school? Yeah. I was there from 2008 to 2000. 2011. Okay, so it was about a decade ago then. Yeah. Um, how relevant do you feel a lot of the things you learned still are or aren't as a result of technology advancing? Uh, I think analog equipment was not seen as something that would stick around. Um, tape machines and yeah. vinyl coming back and stuff like that. Um, so I think that those schools are, 
are probably reintroducing those um, parts. Um, but I went to school for recording, so that that's my perspective. I don't really have. Uh, they did have a program that was live sound. Okay. Um, so I'm sure that that was that was different for the people that. But went even that, even that like program. home recording is crazy now because yeah. of just like yeah. all of the the different interfaces and mm -hmm. DAWs and how crazy computers are now and. Yeah. And that Me stuff was external at, memory so fucking cheap and like you go on and on and on about this yeah. stuff. And that stuff was at the forefront of what when I went to school uh -huh. and that they were teaching all of that, getting us prepared for that. that yeah, the that oncoming movement. storm, huh? Yeah, yeah. So with recording and uh, that side of things that you went to school for, yeah. how often do you get to do any of that stuff nowadays? Uh, luckily a lot. Um, I kind of specialize in live multi-track recording where, um, to explain the process uh, uh, as simply as I can, instead of uh, getting what's called a, a board recording where you're just getting what the stereo mixes in, in the room, um, I'm recording each individual instrument um, independent of each other at the same time. So I can later go back into my studio and mix that and make a pretty professional, I think, uh, live record yeah out of that and that's been the bulk of my work i've done um you know singer songwriter type people and, and produced them in the past but that live multi-track recording and mixing seems to be the the bulk of my work yeah that's fun yeah, yeah. that's another thing that's insanely easy to do now because of some yeah. of the technologies mm -hmm. that exist yeah it's super cool what's really fun though to think about is uh you know the way a live mix sounds recorded and the way you mix a band like in the room or two totally different mixes. So different. Yeah. It's crazy. Like it goes if, back to the additive PA thing. So okay. if you're doing your board recording, which is just a stereo feed from the board, that live sound engineer could possibly not be putting any bass in that mix. Yeah. Or not be putting a ton of drums. So that on the recording is gonna fall yeah. hard. And all <laughs> you're all you're getting is vocals and guitar. Uh-huh. And any other like keys stuff that you wouldn't hear yeah. very much on stage, so that's kind of why um, that's how I advertise my my service to bands is like this is garbage. You know you don't want that. It's easy, um, but it's not going to get you the result that you really deserve. Yeah. And when people bring video people to come and film their set, that service is crucial. Oh yeah, you want good audio to go with. Exactly. You have like this. Uh, professional ass looking nice hd footage right. with like on camera audio it's trash yeah yeah and it comes off and and the difference is night and day are there any local bands that have ever like worked with you on this that have released stuff that you've recorded live uh starship manis is, is a band that cool uh, yeah uh, i did this a lot with um lemon talk a lot of their earlier stuff 27 years uh, Cosmic Band, like the first stuff that they released was recorded at James Street Multitrack Style Live. Cool. Yeah. That's a, that's a way to do it. We're doing uh, one of the, actually, uh, I can't talk about this. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a thing with live recording in one of my bands soon, but that's all I'm going to say for now. Um, with running sound, it shows. I imagine prior to all of this, you know, you liked music. You're playing in bands. You're mm -hmm. learning how to record music. 
And then, you know, you start doing sound at shows and now you're doing sound for shows of bands that you've never heard of. It, you know, maybe styles of music you're not familiar with. Yeah. Is there anything that you, you has come across your plate running sound at a show, whether it be like a particular band or just maybe a style of music that you never really would have expected to enjoy as much as you did? Uh, expected to enjoy. Or like, I don't know, that's maybe like just anything that like, like for example, like let's just say like, uh, you know, Northern Gold. I mean, I know them mm. really, really well. I'm not a huge like alternative country fan or whatever you want to call yeah, their type of music. Yeah. And I wouldn't expect to like that type of music, but seeing them play live, they're just such good performers yeah and you all, you get like a better understanding of it when you see it actually happening versus mm -hmm. just listening to a recording so i guess that's my question is there any ever been a moment like that for you i guess bluegrass um okay billy strings was, was one of the notable bluegrass artists that i was like super impressed with it was only four instruments some banjo a mandolin acoustic guitar upright bass but they brought a production quality that I was super impressed by that was made things very easy for me to mix and and a lot more fun. Okay. Um, because it was so clean and, and everything had their own ranges and I could do some some more creative things with it and they were very appreciative of that. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Billy Strings and Bluegrass, I think. Cool. I think the Bluegrass movement is is becoming more and more professional. Uh, in the past three to five years. Huh. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about the local or just underground bluegrass in general, but mm -hmm. it has to be a thing. Everything's a thing. Yeah. 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 Everything has its own own movement. And of course, the Rex facilitates um, bands like Billy Strings and other, you know, funk fusion type type bands. Uh huh. And that has its own market and people that come to those type of shows. Yeah, it's it, that's another thing that is probably super interesting too. Just seeing the crowds of people that come to all of these different styles of events mm -hmm. and just being like, "Wow!" Like I thought there would be a lot more people into something like this, or like I had no idea that there was hundreds of people that were into this weird abstract ambient stuff. You know, like yeah. all kinds of you never know. Mm -hmm. The world <laughs> is a beautiful place. Avant-garde jazz is also one that. Like, I never know where I fall on it. Okay. But every time I have to to mix it, it's it's always um, a challenge, but a, a welcomed one. Yeah, I imagine any style of music that's very dynamic, you know, and yeah. you're trying to figure out where it's not like a you can't really just set and forget your levels, I imagine, with a band like that. You kind of right. have to be really attentive because, you know, everything could be kind of just laid back for a bit and then all of a sudden it explodes and you're like, whoa, everything just jumped up. Yeah. 40,000 decibels out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? And it just happens for like one second. Yeah. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it. And then like you're trying to like right. fiddle stuff back. There's uh, a thing that I've noticed just from running sound. I don't run sound a whole lot, but in my limited experience that I've had running live sound at shows. It's made me understand uh, what makes a good singer more. Yeah. In terms of like, I feel like I now judge singers based on how much compression they don't need. Yeah. One, you know, how much vocal dynamic control they actually have over 
different ranges. Exactly. And that, that comes with experience and hearing yourself and how the mic responds to your voice. And you can tell a professional singer from an amateur one very yeah. quickly by just like, yeah, just like, how much you have to ride their fader. Yeah. And like, yeah, just all those things that I never really thought about. But now it's super beneficial to me as a performer because it gets my brain thinking about those things. Seeing it from the other side. Seeing it from the other side. Yeah. Oh, shit. Like, yeah. Absolutely. You know, you catch yourself doing the things that you were just kind of harping on somebody about doing. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, shit, we got to get this together. Yeah. And it's so funny because like even for just like, you know, doing the hip hops or my death metal stuff. It's still like there's still vocal techniques that need to be applied to do this, you know, maximally okay. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just going to be trash. Yeah. It's going to sound and I'm like. sure you've seen this number. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No matter what the genre. Yeah, I've seen I've, many people. I've, I've, uh, I've gotten pretty good at not cupping the mic. It's a it's a really really bad habit, and we move around a lot too. So sometimes I'm just like you know trying not to drop the thing. But yeah, yeah. Overall, it's just like yeah, this this sounds bad. Why 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 did holding the microphone like this become the the thing? Yeah, uh, I think the the look of your you know how, however you're trying to portray yourself as as nonchalant or um, you know you don't care. <laughs> yeah, I guess it doesn't. I guess it doesn't look as tough whenever you know you're you you have it like this. It's like there's something that's like more like there is rule a, breaking. Yeah, there's kinda. rule breaking. There's there's uh, aggression to it. And well, the other thing too with a lot of a lot of metal vocalists will like utilize the cupping to like create like they're like they're like basically creating like a like a organic EQ. Yeah, with their hand. To, like that's exactly what you're doing. Do some sort of things, and uh, it's like well. I guess that's cool, but you could still probably do that with your throat if you try a little harder. <laughs> but everybody's different, you know. We're all we're all unique in our own ways. Yeah. How do you feel about heavy metal music? I dig it. You dig it? Yeah. I'm not a uh, you how, know a diehard fan, but I definitely how, appreciate. Is there it. any style of music that you just think is like kind of absurd or a little a little silly in a live setting? Like for me, like I'm all about art and creative expression. Yeah. But like there's been several times where I've like, you know, watched people uh, scream through guitar pedals for a half hour. <laughs> and that's it. Oh, did you see the, the video that surfaced from Deutschland Music Fest where it was um, two females? Uh, yes. On yes. Against drone music, I think it yes. was. And yes. Yes. They were beating each other up. Yes. That is a little too much. Yeah, that me. was. It's that's definitely a unique thing. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty, but like, also, I would say with them, I feel like the performance of that trans. It's like it's definitely like it's absurd. It's like what is happening? Like this is total chaos, and it transcends into a new level of chaos that almost like I kind of appreciate it because it it crosses a line and just goes into something that's completely different. Mm. But it's like, it's just really funny that that happened at Deutschtown because like, it's such an every man type of event. Yeah. So you're having all walks walks of life come through there. So intense. And that, that dad looking dude came in and was like, 
what is this? Yeah. Is I, this I remember part like, of it? I thought it was like really funny because like for whatever reason, like when we were trying to get Grey Walker to play Deutschtown Music Festival, we tried like two years in a row and mm-hmm. we kind of got the got the no thanks, mm-hmm. which is fine. But then like you see stuff like that and it's like, well, I guess it wasn't that uh or too crazy. It's just something <laughs> else. Maybe they, you know, the, yeah. their quota for metal was filled at the time. But to be fair, they have gotten a lot better at booking heavier acts mm-hmm. over the past two years this was like 2014 15 when we were trying to play yeah yeah what it, what is your um your feeling about the early years was it too vanilla or or too one i don't know one thing you know i i didn't really have a personal feeling about it it was just a thing where it's like hey you know it's happening let's try to play it yeah and then they were like nope like okay then we tried again and they're like nope and we're like okay i saw a fist fight in a parking lot a couple years back and i was super impressed yeah that was awesome that was at the elks theater or not the elks lodge elks lodge yeah um i love that room with really loud heavy music for some reason the dynamic of that room just sounds incredible so when i saw them i was super impressed by the room and and the band yeah we've We've booked a couple shows there with Gray Walker because uh, Joey is an Elks member, our drummer. Oh, nice. So, yeah, we've used that room for like an album release and then we did it for another show too. And uh, yeah, I like that room too. I think it's a really cool space and it's it's utilized, but I think it could be utilized more by rock bands. But I think it's just yeah. a matter of like having the connection to get in there. And Yeah. You know. Well, I think, you know, anybody that's that's willing to try, I think they should. Yeah. Uh, get that room because it it sounds incredible and of course they you need uh, sound support yeah you know, they don't have a PA yeah well a, a adequate PA yeah uh, so that's the it one might, it might cost you yeah that's the one thing that can be a bummer with a lot of Pittsburgh spaces um, is that when it comes to heavier music for whatever reason there just isn't like a decent mid-sized venue to really facilitate it um i mean howlers isn't bad smiling moose isn't bad but it would be nice to have something that was like a little bit more of a step up and something that could be more all ages friendly Mm -hmm. because there's even when we have shows in all ages spaces for like metal bands it'll be like oh well we're doing a show at black forge but we have a brewery coming in to bring beer so it's still going to be 21 plus yeah and then like the kids can't come. And it's like, well, why are there no young metal bands? Maybe because there's no place for young kids to see heavy metal music. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, the lower um, cap rooms are, are pretty much lacking in, in Pittsburgh. There's all these great mid-sized to, to large venues that are popping up. But I think a lot of local artists are feeling slighted by no development in mm-hmm. low cap rooms. Yeah, and it's, again, it's just hard for like the more alternative or extreme uh genres of music because it's not like you know we're not getting any restaurant gigs you know we're not Mm -hmm. getting the brewery gigs unless it's like a cool brewery you know uh it's just it's just not there for us so it's like what the fuck are we supposed to do right i don't know yeah it sucks DIY basement shows. That's yeah. All, that's all that's left. But like really, the the alternative venue space. It doesn't really work when it's like, well, you're in your 30s, and like your fan base is in their 30s. So if they're coming out, like they 
probably want to get a beer and stuff too. Yeah. But you also have a whole demographic of people that are like in high school or maybe, you know, whatever, college kids that can't go to 21 plus shows that fucking love metal. Yeah. It's just they can't go to the shows. And that's probably why whenever a big metal band comes through to stage AE or whatever, like you see a shit ton of people there because it's actually a show that they can go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. Um, I experienced a lot of that when I was uh, a young musician and Kevin was was uh, a person that at 16 years old was was really fostering um, a young people's movement in music and booking fire halls and stuff like that. Yeah. Where, we, you know, obviously the adults weren't trying to give us any kind of hand. So we we're just like, well, screw it. We'll, we'll do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's a solution. No, for, for I mean, that's today's stuff, climate. That but. stuff exists. It's just it's always very temporary. And it'd be nice to have something that was a little bit more just like official seeming, yeah. you yeah. know, that way people could feel like they're actually a part of something. Mm-hmm. It's not just like a, like, oh, you know, the fire hall by day, right. concert venue by night, like right. the place that is a concert venue, period. Yeah, it would be. But nice. it's, it's so much fucking money. There's so much red tape and. The only way you can ever keep the lights on in those fucking places is to sell a shit ton of alcohol. Right. So. Yeah, it's a huge challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to do. I mean, things I don't think anybody's. Things aren't as bad as maybe I'm making them seem, but it's just, it's always a concern of mine. Yeah. And when I see things like the, like the Pittsburgh Music Ecosystem Project, it's like, yeah, okay, this is cool, you know, but, uh been joking about like you know the love pittsburgh music it's like love some pittsburgh music to be completely honest with you yeah it's not really like i mean i get it yeah it's fine but uh you have have people that are struggling in in your group in your community but there's a community outside of that yeah that are also being overlooked so i don't know what you know the solution is um because i think there's I hate to say that there's clicks because there's a lot of people that kind of intermingle with a lot of different musicians and different communities and different genres and stuff like that. But there is segmentations in, in Pittsburgh music. And I think, yeah, a lot of people were being it's overlooked. Like, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like, don't get me wrong. Like Gene, the werewolf, I love you guys, but yeah, do you have sure. to play every fucking rock event that happens <laughs> in the city? <laughs> There's other rock bands. I'm not even talking. I mean, not, they're a good fucking band, but mm. it's just like every single time there's like one of those fucking things. Like Rib Fest was this weekend. You know what I mean? The Clarks. Okay. Yep. Fucking Gene the Werewolf. Okay. And then you had Atlantic Wasteland that played too, which shout outs to them. They were just on the show. They're a new band. I'm glad that they got in on the opportunity, but like there, I would like to see more of that and more of the, even if it's not metal, just more of the other hard rock bands getting you know, a chance to do some events like that. Because, like, mm-hmm. come on, Gene the Werewolf, you play every single <laughs> big rock event. Good for you guys, but, I mean, fuck. Yeah, it's dominating <laughs> the market for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, also, too, it's like, is that their fault? Or no, is it just no, the all. people that put together those events? Well, it's like, well, this they're a good band. They have good, you know, social media presence. People know who they are. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're a party. They're a fun time. I yeah. think, you know, a big thing could be that you know we just we we do have a lot of shitty rock bands in pittsburgh so i mean to be fair you know maybe 
some bands just need to step it up. Yeah, yeah. And get a little less shitty. <laughs> <laughs> but there also is a um, an element of like like selling out. Mm. Like if you want to be true to yourselves, you're not going to play Rip Fest. I guess depending on the 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 band, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are people that were, hell yeah, I'll sell out to to play in front of that. Yeah. You know, I don't even people. know if it's really selling out. Like how much how much money do you think they pay the bands to play Rip Fest? Like four hundred bucks probably. <laughs> I wouldn't know, but <laughs> no, they probably make more than that. But uh I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to ask. Yeah. Yo, if you're listening, let us know. Let us know what that <laughs> let us know about that rib money. Cha ching. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they're it's a festival that upcharges everything. I don't know if you've ever been to nah. any kind of food festival. Taco Fest was something that I had worked um, this summer and they were selling $5 tacos. Okay. Which is absurd. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It wasn't, they weren't good tacos. Yeah. They weren't $5 worth. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, there's a ton of money to be made. uh And if you are looking for somebody to provide a service, that's yeah. I mean, you're really taking advantage of the consumer at that point, because what you do is you get this really cute, kitschy idea mm-hmm. pittsburgh taco festival oh my god we gotta go to the pittsburgh taco festival and then you get down there you're ready for tacos yeah they could charge six or seven bucks for those tacos and people would still probably buy them because they yeah. went but it wasn't a free festival they actually had to buy like a 40 or 50 dollar ticket to get in the door <laughs> and then you paid for the and tacos on top of that well i I paid for my own taco. I I was working it, so I yeah, I know. But that, I meant like as a consumer. Yeah, as a consumer, that that's, seems that seems a little. Did you get like at least like one voucher for a free taco? I didn't really look into it that hard, but I don't know. There's so much money that goes into all those things. It's mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. What is your take on the uh, the foodie thing that's happening to Pittsburgh over the past decade? Uh, I appreciate some of it. Um, I appreciate more diversity. In, in food in Pittsburgh, yeah, I can only eat so many pierogies. Sure, I but, actually I would say pierogies are kind of hard to find these days. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, BBT was. Uh, oh yeah, one yeah. That, that had some pretty notably good pierogies, uh-huh. and that's not. You can still get some good. pierogies at the Rock Room if you uh yeah if you're feeling brave. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that I, I always liked going there and getting food. Uh, I haven't been there in a long time. That's like one of those places, that place and Gooskies, uh, the, like the, the, the Polish Hill scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not for me. I don't know what it is. It's just like, it's too, in terms of like playing shows. I mean, I should be clear on that okay. because it's very, uh, it just seems like it's very like, eh, whatever. And me being like a, like a stickler for good live production. I'm like, what do you mean? Whatever. Somebody should be running sound. These speakers aren't working. What's happening? And everybody's yeah. like, eh, fuck it. And when it comes to me and playing live, I'm very much a not, eh, fuck it kind of person. Right. I'm like the polar opposite of that. Like I'm always, I want to analyze every little thing to give a good performance. Yeah. But to be fair to the people that go to those shows there and the bands that play there, like that's what they want. They really, it's just not a concern to them. Mm-hmm. So they play, they pack the rooms out, they have a good time. And I guess that's really what it's all about is having a good time with your band and giving a good time to the people that come out. Yeah. So if you don't need a, a working PA to do that, <laughs> God bless you. It's, it's just not for me. Yeah, me neither. 
but like uh yeah so that was uh i do i do think about them them rock room pierogies every once in a while though it's been a long time since i've been there i doubt i'll ever play a show there again i've never had them were they traditional or were they traditional new new pittsburgh no 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 they're they're OG, just like you tater know. tots is, uh, seems to be something that people are rehashing <laughs> for some reason where they're loading it with all kinds of toppings what's well, another one of those trends yeah yeah just because i think it's easy and it's like cute yeah you know it's it's cheap it's an easy thing that uh upcharge the shit out of you know what i mean mm-hmm. throw some sour cream and bacon bits on it all of a sudden you got 12 dollar tater tots yeah i mean it's hard to go wrong it's potato so it's pretty much a mashed. What up. is your preferred potato? Mashed, tater tot, uh, a fry, a baked? I would say baked. Baked. All yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Loaded. Loaded. Sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. You ain't fucking around. No. But I, I love all kinds of potatoes. Yeah. I'm, I'm a potato guy. Yeah. So let's say this. It's, uh, it's been a show. It's been a long night. You've... Got done running sound. You got a rumble in your tummy. Do you got a go-to spot that you like to fuck up some food after a gig? Home. Home. Yeah, I'm, home a, I'm, a, I'm a home cook. Okay. I, I cook a lot at home. Okay. Yeah. What kind of stuff do you cook? Do you like to experiment, get your chef on? Or do you... Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah? Um, I like uh, sous vide cooking a lot. Um, do you know anything about that? Not enough. Tell I me. Don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm very enamored by your uh, soundboard, by the way. Uh, sous vide means uh, under vacuum in French. Okay. And what you do is you vacuum seal um, a meat or a vegetable or whatever, and then you submerge it in a uh, bath of water that is constantly circulated by a machine and heated to a very specific temperature. This is some fucking nerdy shit. <laughs> it's, going. it's very uh, culinary nerdy stuff. Um but it, the results are, are incredible. Um, so if you're cooking a, a steak, um, you can get it to the perfect medium, medium rare, rare, however you like it. And it will stay at that temperature because you're not overcooking it. Okay. And when you take it out of the, the bag, it's, it doesn't look very appealing. So you can sear it uh, afterwards in a cast iron pan or a grill or however you like it. Um, but if you do it at a very hot temperature you can get the very nice crusty sear that's incredibly thin. And when you cut into the meat, it's that perfect medium rare edge to edge. So there's no grating or, or you know, banding yeah. between the center of it to the edge. So it results in a very flavorful and juicy. And, but it, steak is not the only thing. One thing I've noticed about you is that you are a glossary. <laughs> of specific terms and ways to describe <laughs> things like you do not fuck around like well, if you, you. <laughs> it's like sometimes whenever i'm explaining how to do something i have to come up with you know the the way in my brain like oh you yeah. know you 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 cut into the meat and it's cooked all the way through like it's not like there's weird batches that were heated up more or mm-hmm. less you know what yeah. i'm talking about yeah but you're like no it's like the grading and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck it's awesome but like yeah well, you know how to perfectly describe something i appreciate that Thank i feel you. like did that was that something that has been a part of your life always or did becoming a recording engineer 
or learning how to like communicate with people in those environments help influence clear vocabulary mm. and how to describe things? Uh, I think I've always been a person that, that likes um, conveying... Knowing what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> not, not only that, but conveying uh, information that I want to be heard in a specific way. And I don't want it to be misinterpreted. Yeah, that makes sense. So being very specific in my vocabulary, I think, uh, helps me uh, explain myself a little better. It helps get the job done for yeah, sure. Yeah, I knew exactly what you were talking about when you are explaining and it to me. that's the result I hope to accomplish. Yeah. Do you see a, a big correlation between uh, cooking and writing music? I see a correlation between cooking and mixing music. Okay. Um, where you have all of these different flavors that you're trying to blend together and, uh, you know, have maybe an equal balance between all of those flavors. Yeah. Um, some one thing's not overpowering the other. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different correlations between mixing music and, and cooking for sure. Yeah, I enjoy cooking a lot. We, we cook at home fairly frequently, usually a couple times a week more if we can. Mm-hmm. But we also... I don't know. We're we're on the go. We're busy beavers, so we're always eating out and about and stuff like that. Plus, I I guess I also like the trying new places. Or mm-hmm. I mean, I have a lot of friends that own restaurants and things like that, so it's yeah. nice to go and say hi to them. And, you know, throw fifty bucks at them and help keep the lights on. Yeah, or whatever. You know. So, Is there a, a favorite Pittsburgh um, restaurant that's kind of unique in its own? Well. Shout outs to the pear and the pickle. Bobby was just on the show last week, mm-hmm. the owner, operator of that place. I love that place. Um, it's a cafe, deli. They're only open for breakfast and lunch, but I'm there every day mm. that they're open. I love that spot. Um, so for breakfast or lunch, I would definitely say pear and the pickle is probably my favorite spot. For dinner, that's a whole other can of worms. It really just yeah. depends on the style of food. Uh, we're inside Penn Brewery. If you've never eaten here, they have a phenomenal menu here. Uh, and a lot of things that you wouldn't expect. I have a lot of, I'm always telling my vegetarian friends that the menu here kicks ass for vegetarians. And they're like, what? Like, you think Penn Brewery, German food, bratwurst, yeah, and all this yeah. stuff? It's like, no, dude, you can get like pulled barbecue jackfruit sliders. And Ooh. they have um really good, uh, a, like a portobello Philly cheesesteak. And it's killer. They do a really, really good job with like, you know, marinating the mushrooms and yeah. all this stuff. It's fucking killer. And uh, other things too, you know, plus potatoes. Yeah. Lots of potatoes. Can't stuff. go wrong so, with potatoes. Uh, the food here is great. And if you enjoy meat, they got plenty of that for you. So I always like to recommend Penn Brewery. And uh, I'm sure I could think of some other places, but it's all kind of escaping me now. Yeah. We went to superior motors for the first time which is like that's fancy shit right there yeah how'd you like that we had a really good experience i've talked with some people that have had mixed experiences there um but when we went it was pretty chill you know there was only three or four other tables of people in the restaurant Mm -hmm. and uh our food was really good our service was nice and you know aside of it being you know pricey that was like the only thing like oh fuck i wish i didn't spend a hundred bucks right now but we had a really good time and it was a a nice date so i would recommend it for like a date or a celebration of sorts you know yeah 
I do cool. some some work in the theater that's behind that. Okay. Bare, bare Bones Theater. I've never heard of that spot. What is that? Um, it's like a small um, production theater. Oh, cool. Um, they seat probably around 70 to 75 people. Oh, wow. And small. Yeah, pretty small. Um, but they sell out practically every... What do they do? Like plays or plays, something? Plays, Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, mostly plays. I do um, some sound design for them sometimes. And... Uh, yeah, every play that I've seen is, is always very well curated and, and, and picked for a, a specific reason. That's super cool. Yeah. So have you ever eaten at Superior Motors in? No, I haven't. Yeah. Uh, check it out sometime. If you, yeah, next time I'm, I'm there. If you, if, you might, have the, yeah. if you have the extra scratch and time. Like, I, I enjoyed it. I thought I, I had a really pleasant experience. I would, would definitely say, go back. Would you say per plate, how much would it cost? Well, so me and my girlfriend, we're both vegetarians. Yeah. So... They actually, it wasn't as much for us because all the vegetarian dishes were kind of priced accordingly. They're a little bit cheaper, like like five to ten bucks cheaper than okay. some of the meaty, meaty dishes. Like I think all of our stuff, we got like a bunch of different things. And like the plates were like, I don't know, but I'd say between 15 and 20. Okay. And so it really wasn't that bad, yeah. but we got a whole lot of stuff. So it added up and then it became a bad thing at the end. But for the meaty stuff, I think it was more in like the 20 to 30 range. Some stuff was probably in the 30 to 40 range, but that's probably yeah. like the fancy, fancy schmancy shit. Yeah. But the food was prepared really well. Good. Had some awesome potatoes, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they had some really good fucking potatoes. Describe the potatoes to me. <sighs> you know what? I knew you were going to ask me, and I can't remember right <laughs> now. Uh, I cannot remember. They scalloped. What was, what, no, they weren't scalloped. They were like, they were like, like little baby reds, hmm. and they were cut, and they were roasted. So they probably, you know, threw them in some oil and some seasonings or whatever yeah. and then roasted the motherfuckers and they put some other sort of, like, saucy seasoning thing on it. Yeah. It I'm, was good. I'm a fan of the baby potatoes. Yeah. Especially from, like, Aldi. They have the multicolored purple and okay. red skin. You know, I, I don't do Aldi enough. I think that I, I need to get... It's quite a deal. Yeah. That's, that's, that's always what I hear. And then we just never go. We're very much the... uh go to market district at 1130 on a Sunday night type of people. Yeah. You know, I could see that. Yeah. Like Aldi and like Trader Joe's. Those are places. They're not that, open. Yeah. They're not hours, open, yeah. but yeah. we, I enjoy both of those places. Yeah. Recommend it for sure. We'll do get some yeah. potatoes from Aldi's. So with all of that being said, I think we can wrap this up. I think yeah. we, Hey, you know, we talked about life and shit and music. It was tight. A lot and, of fun. Uh, Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. And um, outro. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation one more time. Brandon, thanks for stopping by. Long overdue, my friend. Yes, thank Long you. Long overdue. You. I'll be back again in a few days with another conversation. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2019. Whoop, woo! Thanks for listening. And real quick, I just gotta, I gotta do something. Okay. So I've been slowly working on this uh, Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure soundboard. <laughs> Excellent! <laughs> oh, yes. And I didn't have a good opportunity to drop oh, any, so. I'm so Iron sad. Maiden. Excellent! <laughs> oh, man. <gasps> I'm so sad that you didn't. Yeah, I forgot. Like, I just like it's I was literally working on this before you showed up. Okay. So that's why like they're not like. Yeah. So I 
I need to remember that I have them. But yeah. Cool. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stop that. Stop that.